Go to King. King will barge over. Will he get it down? Yes, he does. There's the premiership. Wilson runs to the line. He's got Buxton with him. It's been put on the toe. It's going to be to try. Joy Jobson's got the try. Window get their second. You're listening to Lee Carson, Newcastle Hunters Home Rugby League. Welcome back to another episode of League Castle. I am, of course, your host, Chris McPherson, and we are back for another week of local rugby league chat and general conversation. We are, of course, here to cover any number of competitions, but we will, as always, kick it off with the Statsman's Statman of the Year it's certainly a mouthful, and it is brought to you, as is this show, by Smart Artist. Uh, they are your number one when it comes to photography and support for any events uh, that you need your need assistance with. They certainly specialise in the sporting world, but uh, they've got a much broader appetite than that. Check out their page, Smart Artist, on Facebook, or check out the links to their work that we've shared on our page, as well as the link to their page that we've got there on our Facebook uh, again, as I said, smart artist, big supporters of our show. They've provided us with the opportunity to put up awards for not only the Statsman, Statman of the Year, but also the leading try scorer for the Denton Engineering Cup and the leading point scorer for the women's tackle A-grade competition in the Newcastle and Hunter Community Rugby League. Uh, so as I said, we will kick it off with Josh Spiegelman with his Statsman's uh, pull-apart of the last round of the Denton Engineering Cup. We'll then be joined by Matt Nickel, the newly appointed interim coach of Lakes United first grade for the remainder of 2021. We'll move along then to the Newcastle and Hunter Community Rugby League and we've been fortunate enough to get some time from Logan Wiltshire from the East Maitland Griffins. He has snuck away from their training schedule at Henny Penny Stadium tonight. And we are also joined by a late inclusion from the subs bench, uh, the Number nine currently for the South Newcastle Lioness is Erin White. She comes in as a illness substitute for Sophie Higgins, although there are certainly some asterisks over Sophie's absence, which will be brought up in our interview with Erin. So thank you to all of our guests who are giving up their time tonight. Uh, we will wrap up the show with Josh Bergman pulling apart the men's and women's origin as he is wont to do. But uh, sit back, enjoy. It is another bumper episode. We'll go 60 minutes plus again tonight. But uh, listen into the segments that you love uh, and uh, make sure to give us some feedback on the show via our social media channels. So let's kick it off with Josh Spiegelman. It's a bumper episode. Sit back and enjoy. As always, we kick off the show with the Denton Engineering Cup Stats Man Stats Player of the Year, brought to you by Smart Artist, our great new partner who has partnered with us to ensure that we have some prizes, not only for the Stats Man's of the Year, the Stats Man's Stat Man of the Year, but also for our leading try scorer in the Denton Engineering Cup and the leading point scorer in the Women's Tackle A-Grade competition. All of those players will all receive equal prizes of $100 cash and $100 to the charity of their choice. But the man who breaks down all the numbers behind the Denton Engineering Cup to enable us to pull out this stats man's stat man of the year is none other than Josh Spiegelman. Mate, uh, welcome back again. And, uh, mate, uh, it was a, a dour weekend of footy, some grinding stuff. So interesting points and lots of stats to grind through for yourself. Many stats to grind through, mate. Chris, great to be back. You got through a couple of mouthfuls there with the title of this comp. I think we got to shorten it, but 
goes with the uh, Denton Engineering Tui's Newcastle Rugby League comp too, I guess. So everything's a bit of a mouthful these days. But yeah, let's rip into it whenever you're ready, mate. Yeah, we can't even blame the sponsor for our one. But anyway, yeah, let, let's jump into it, mate. Um, it is a, an abbreviated round coming up, but we had a full one in the wet last week. Let's kick it off with the uh, what, what was the Bar TV Sports to his new match of the round between the ladder-leading Maitland Pickers and the Cessnock Goannas. Unfortunately for those fans uh, from further up in the coalfields, the uh, Goannas didn't really turn up at home and the Pickers came out all guns firing and... Uh, 43-16 winners, a field goal just before halftime for good measure just to make it an odd number from Brock Lamb. But a couple of hat tricks, uh, certainly you would think you know at least one of them would rate to mention, if not both around the considerations for the points. Yeah, definitely, mate. As, as you'd expect, Maitland all um, uh, six points on offer here, the one, two, three. But we'll just mention, as you said, Terry LeBrock, in any other game, you could have got one, two or three points. But there were so many standouts here for Maitland that he didn't make the points this week. But as you mentioned, yeah, two great intercept tries and obviously four errors to match. And also Jaden Butterfield just narrowly missed out. He ran for 192 metres, breaking seven tackles. And once again, Immaculate in defence didn't miss a tackle. So can you believe it or not, they didn't make the points, but well, we can go through it right now if you're ready. It's a tough crowd, mate. Um, but yeah, certainly. I've just got, to, just got to credit the wheels on Perry LeBrock. Jeez, he's got some pace. He does, mate. The camera struggle to keep up with him. They were mirror images um, both halves, the intercepts he took and yeah, no one really came close so what a speedster. We'll get back to him in a little bit mate, but jump into the points, the 3-2-1 and one here, as you said, all, all pickers, all six points. Let's go from, from little to big, who got the one? Yeah, one point this week goes to the hooker Alex Langbridge. I thought he was really good out of dummy half all game, he had some key line engagements, a pretty accurate service in tough windy conditions uh, yeah, he got four line break assists and three tries assists. That was a team high, as well as another try contribution. And he also put a few more players over the line who were held up. So you, you match that up with his usual, you know, rock-solid defense. He made 27 tackles at 93%. Importantly, winning 100% of these tackles, which is square at marker. And, you know, not allowing Cessnock to get on the front foot. So he definitely helped him getting a position to win this game. He certainly did. Uh, who else was key contributors uh, picking up the two and the three points, respectively? Yeah, big Sam Anderson gets the two points here. He had a workhorse effort again. Week in, week out, he does this when he's not given a rest on the bench. So he was rewarded with a try as well. He carried the ball at team high 22 times, which is massive in the middle of the field for 178 metres. He won 76% of his carries, which is the best mark amongst their starting forwards. He broke three tackles. And he also made 30 of his own tackles at 94%. So, brilliant effort by Sam Anderson for the two points. You can understand why Matty Lantry doesn't give him too many rests when he keeps putting up numbers like that. Exactly, mate. He's vital to their chances this year. And their chances are looking better each week as they keep rolling on Maitland. So, as we roll on to the three points here, um, he, he left the game, this guy, about the hour mark with a hamstring strain. But he's still at the three points for mine. Because, as you mentioned, another hat-trick hero, Chad O'Donnell, um, he scored three tries in the most dominant 20-minute 20 20 period that I've seen at the start of the match. So in his overall 60 minutes, he had four line breaks, a line break assist, a try assist, 13 metres per carry, which is tremendous. And the aforementioned three tries to blow Cessnock off the park and build his side a crucial early buffer. So I crunched some more numbers for this performance because it was just that unbelievable. He would have got you 134 super coach points in only 60 minutes of action. That's not bad. They talk about points per minute. That's a, over two points per minute. That's uh, the, the money that you'd be, uh, that's, you know, $900,000 territory. That sort of stuff is. 
elite, mate, elite performance by Chad O'Donnell. So hope that hamstring strain's okay. Uh, he should be good to go uh, probably for their catch-up game this weekend. Yeah, fingers crossed for him, although I'm sure Matty will... Um you know, be okay to rest him. I see he's not, uh, he wasn't considered for the rep game, so I'm sure Matty will be okay to rest him should he need to. I'm sure he'd rather have him out there, but they've got plenty of talent in that side and waiting in the wings in the lower grades as well. Let's move along. Curry, they got up against the entrance 24, uh, sorry, 22 points to 14 to break a three-game losing streak. It's been a bit of a tough time out at Curry. Only two wins since back in April, and they sit uh, down in the bottom end of the table, but... Uh, Certainly uh, the party at the graveyard would have been a good one on Saturday night after that win over the entrance, a much-needed one to keep their finals hopes alive. Definitely, mate, especially heading into this catch-up week where they have to go up against the uh, Maitland Tickers, as we mentioned earlier. So, yeah, vital to them. And if we look at the points this week, they capture two of the three spots out of Curry's team. I'm going to start with a one-point here to Curry's look at Tyler Randall. He had two try contributions and two line-break contributions with some good dummy half service again throughout the match. So he gets my one point here. I noticed your next man, uh, we've talked about him a little bit before, I think off air more so than on air, but he's been a standout since he's made the grade at the entrance and he, and he picked up not only two points, but uh, two tries as well. Yeah, exactly. I saw a, a thrower for the entrance here, the big man. He um, got the two points along with his two tries. Uh, the first try came off the back of a really good ball from captain Matthew Killick, um, who managed to isolate the big man a foe on, on a solitary Curry defender. And then the second try came after a good ball from um, half Fiona Tonga, who we've mentioned uh, uh, on other podcasts too. A uh, foe smashed his way over the line on top of three Curry defenders. So I did a little quick number crunching. And his last try, just that one run, would have got you 34 supercoach uh, super points in one run. So pretty good effort there. He's certainly racking up the stats, and that's what we like to see. And... Uh... The man who picks up the three points here is one of Curry's two players who will be in the representative side to take on Canberra on Saturday at Maitland Sports Ground, uh, and it's not their captain coach, Mitch Cullen. No, it's not. It's um, their strike weapon out wide, Henry Penn. He's been around for a few years now. He's same performances each year. You know, he's really strong running that ball. But he scored his own try in this match. He got a further try assist as well as a line break assist to match. Um, frequently on the highlight package that I saw, he just kept breaking tackles throughout the game with several effective offloads too. Not ineffective that found the ground and lost his team metres, but really put his side on the front foot with some strong carries and second phase play. So, yeah, three points to Henry Penn here. He's, he's a very physical man the way he runs the ball. I know I refereed him earlier in the year against Wes and he scored the match winner that day as well and just absolutely destructive when he's at his best. And he can be, he can be almost... You know, not not uh, invisible, but just all of a sudden he can just flick a switch and get himself involved in a game. And once he decides he wants to be involved, there's no one telling him any otherwise. He's, he's an absolute freak and, and certainly earned those three points on the weekend. Let's move on to the uh, the side that just keeps on winning, the West Newcastle Rosellas. They went out to Macquarie to take on the high-flying Macquarie Scorpions, and they don't like to do things by big margins, West, so... Kept this one as they have nearly all their games in 2021 to a uh, single-digit margin and uh, got home by a field goal. So I'm, I'm going to take a punt and say the man that kicked the field goal is certainly going to be amongst the points from this 13-12 win. But did you find any room for any scorps in a in an, in this arm wrestle? Yeah, I did, mate. Um, we'll start with the one point here to scorps Roy Jeffrey, frequent appearance on this segment. Um, he was the best of mine in a, in a beaten scorps team on a disappointing day in Macquarie. 
Um, he made 96% of his tackles, notching 24, which is great for a center, getting involved in defense there. He also carried the ball 13 times for 122 meters at, at 9.5 a carry roundabout. So uh, with four support runs, I thought he was pretty pretty involved in a good way in the match for the score. The, um, yeah, he registered a try assist and a line break assist for a Woodbury try, another one on the season. And he's pretty unlucky not to get another one when he was ruled to have taken out a West player in the lead up to a try, which um, we say contentious at the least. But yeah, if we move on, mate, I just mentioned West here. I thought they were great in a couple of key areas. Um, namely the kick chase and also getting numbers into the tackles. You know, I think they, they identified the dangerous score forerunners, which is a lot of them, and they swarmed them in defence. So, um, yeah, I thought West did a great job. But before we move on to the other points, we'll let the listeners know that um, big talking point pregame was, you know, Scorps, Rock and Superstar Luke Higgins uh, potentially out for the season after he had uh, lower, a lower leg surgery. So that's big news for the score. Certainly is. Uh, puts a lot of weight on Liam Higgins to carry the family name. Uh, so he did what he could on the weekend and, and got, got the meat pie that uh, Luke's been chalking so far this season. But, uh, mate, that, uh, we'll uh, wait and see what happens with Luke there after that surgery. Hopefully we do see him again in 2021 because undoubtedly there's uh, a whole lot of ability, a whole lot of stats to be to be uh, ground out by that man. Yeah, he's a machine, mate. So best luck with the recovery. Um, hopefully back maybe in the finals. Uh, should the Scorps make it, which I'm sure they will. So moving on now to the two points. And um, yeah, West, West get the two and the three points here. But we'll start with, with the two points to Liam Wiscombe. Um, he was strong for West all game. He made two line breaks. He notched a try contribution. Um, when he perfectly timed a diving for a loose ball centimetres from the touchline. The uh, viewers should go back, or listeners should go back and view this um, try from the weekend. Bar TV Sports put it up as a highlight. He definitely flipped it back into a West player who then found the man who got the three points to score. So, yeah, um, Liam Wiscombe very well involved. And, um, yeah, move on to the three points. Yeah, let's let's shift along to the three points. I don't think it takes a lot of imagination to figure out who the man is. He's the only person that registered at points in pretty much every category barring two-point field goals that exist. He got a penalty goal, a field goal. That, that was the winning margin. He kicked one from two conversions and got himself a meat pie. Uh, mate, he's been an absolute gun for them since he stepped up into first grade. Absolutely, mate. Yep, we're talking to none other than Logan Ratsevich, the West Centre. Um, as you mentioned, just, you know, all the points you could you could want, basically. But he also had some really tough carries all day, which I was pretty um, impressed with. Yeah, both through the middle um, was effective running the edge as well. Had some good offloads. So, yeah, as we mentioned, he scored West... Um, Second try, spotted the winning field goal, sealed the deal. Uh, yeah, and so he moves up to eight points now on the Stats Man leaderboard. So he's West's highest rated player in the Stats this season. And that says a lot about his efforts. Certainly does. Uh, a player who uh, helped them win the reserve grade title last year. I think he kicked the field goal in the grand final there as well. So he knows those clutch plays and uh, certainly they'll be looking to see more and more from him. And I'd be very surprised if he doesn't chalk a few more two and three point efforts before the season is over. But let's move on. Speaking of people that can chalk points, there's a couple of uh, prodigious point scorers in this next one. Uh, Central took on South in a shutout. It was a grinding game. I was involved in this one. Uh, 16-0 probably doesn't do South justice, but uh, it was another good win for Central. And and one of the talking points for mine, and undoubtedly one of these guys will be up there in the points, was the first two tries. We saw the younger brother of Cameron Anderson, Cam Spider Anderson, who's been one of our leaders for the majority of the season, Kane Anderson make his debut on the wing for Central and he duly set up his brother who then returned the favour for the second try. So I don't think that's a stat you'll often see, mate. 
two brothers not only setting each other up for a try, but for one of their debuts. Yeah, that was really great to see, mate. Yeah, that was great. Like, it was hard not to get Kane in the points as well. Bit of a spoiler. But, um, yeah, I thought, yeah, that was, it was just wonderful to see when, when that happened, especially on a debut. So, um, as you said, mate, this was a, you know, pretty tough grinding battle in, in pretty muddy and, and awful conditions. So, a low scoreline. Um, so, we'll start with the points here. Number one, I'm going to give a point to South, second rower, or usually front rower, Jake Lawrence. I thought in a low-scoring arm wrestle, his efforts were pretty important. He topped South's team with 35 tackles at 100%, didn't miss one. And he also won 91% of these tackles in the in the ruck, so slowing Central's ruck speed even more so in a muddy on a muddy pitch. Um, he was team high for third man into tackle, a key effort stat. He also forced an error, so and he also broke two tackles running the ball. So just simply on his defense, I'm going to give Jake Lawrence the point. Yeah, he certainly played very well. Looked very at home on that edge, especially in the wet conditions, and uh, certainly gives them a bit of a different look and gives some options to the South coaching staff. But uh, I'm going to have to say uh, I don't think there'll be any surprises with the two guys that have picked up the two and three. There have been frequent appearances in the points, and uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's back-to-back three-pointers for your for your best on here. So fire through those two guys. Yeah, sure, mate. Um, not two points this week goes to Spider himself. Um, I thought the money conditions stopped him producing the massive numbers that we usually see from him stat-wise, but he still manages, you know, one meat pie that he was hungry for all week. Um, he got a try assist, a line break assist, as well as a further try contribution um, to an offload that led to Central's last try. So as you mentioned, mate, he'll be absolutely stoked that his try assist in this game went with Brother Kane and also, obviously, as you mentioned, scored the try off, off, off the pass from Kane himself. Then we roll into the three points here. And, um, yeah, just a dominant performance once again by Dylan Pithy in the central half. Um, he, he was a leader for Central out there for me. He dictated the tempo through his long kicking game. That included two 40-20s. So I don't think that's happened much in this comp this year, two 40-20s by the one player in a game. Um, he also managed to recover his own short dropout in the middle of the field. Um, that And at the following set, um, Central scored their opening try. So that was a pretty pretty key area there. Um, he also had a great try assist and line break assist, holding the ball up nicely to a rampaging uh, UT Baker. And um, it's worth noting he did get put on report late uh, for a late hit on South half. So we'll see if he's two top next week. But in the meantime, he continues to climb up the Stuffman leaderboard. He certainly does. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be the touch judge on that side that the two 40-20s were kicked. And especially the one that I think ended up being a 40-10 uh, they were absolutely laser-like. They were hit hard and drilled in windy, wet conditions. Um, and look, it wasn't that the wind was blowing downfield either. It was going sort of across field more so. So some great work by him. And, and I don't think I've seen a heads-up play as quickly judged. He was in a full wind-up for that line dropout and just dropped it really deftly at the last moment. And the South players, unfortunately for them, were literally stuck in the mud. So a very smart footballer, a little lapse, as you said there, that saw him put on report. And we've seen a couple of those this year from him. So hopefully that doesn't see too much consequence for the Central club's sake. But, uh, mate, let's wrap up the Statsman, Statsman of the round points with the final game of the round. And it was a classic arm wrestle. And it was 18-14, Wyong, a much-needed win on the road. Unfortunately, goal-kicking was the difference for Lakes United in their first game under the stewardship of Matt Nicholl uh, going down to Wyong by four points. Yeah, as you mentioned, mate, a very close scoreline here. I thought this game could have gone either way. Um, you know, the staff reflected this also. You know, at the end of the match with similar completion rates and staff across the board for both sides. But I will give credit to Wyong here. They did lose their regular fullback, Lincoln Tuberty. Apologies if we're not pronouncing that correctly. 
pretty early in the match, uh, forcing number 14, Jack Forreston, who played out the game at fullback. It worked out pretty well for them because he scored the winning try. But other than that, um, credit to Wyong. They did a great job getting three into the tackle. This is reflected by a pretty large tackle total at the end of the match, which um, took me a long time to crawl and um, <laughs> had a 94% efficiency rate. So before we move into the points, just a quick shout-out to um, Wyong's lock, Jake Lewis. He was unlucky not to get a point this week, but he made 47 tackles without miss. So I want to give him half a point. <laughs> I've got three guys in front of him, but great effort from him in the defense this week. You know, to start with some fractions and decimals and things here, mate, it's going to get messy. <laughs> but uh, I, did, I, did, I did have a bit of a chuckle because at first I, I saw your, when you sent through these earlier in the week and I went, hang on, he's given th- three, three Wyong players in an arm wrestle. And then I realized that the man who picked up one point as I should well know, no longer plays for Wyong. He's indeed a Lakes player. Yeah, he is, mate. He's the one Lakes player that I thought caused Wyong the most bother in defence. It's none other than Lakes centre Nick O'Milly. He ran the ball a team high 20 times for 187 metres at 9.4 a carry, which is the best of his team for a player over three runs. He also made the line break and had two tackle busts. So I think he was the strongest carrying the ball um, for Lakes. Yeah, he certainly certainly is a handful. Uh, harking back to his brother and dad's uh, front row uh, stylings, when he when he does card it up, he's not the biggest body, but he doesn't mind going going straight. So it was two Wyong seasoned campaigners, mate, that picked up the major points. So yeah, two points here to um, Wyong prop Magnus Stromquist, um, who put in a gallon like workhorse effort here. Um, Twenty one carries for one hundred and fifty meters, which is great by yourself as a front rower. And he also made 40 tackles at 89%. So wow. you couple that with um, no errors, penalties, try causes, line break causes, none of the negative, and he gets the two points for me. Lovely, mate. And uh, probably no surprise in a tight arm wrestle that the man with the most experience and, and his name on the clipboard is the man that picks up the three points. Yes, mate. Wyong Cooker and captain coach Mitch Williams here, three points for me. He made 45 tackles at 96%. Um, which was obviously vital in a close and low-scoring game. So a couple of big tackles across the board for Wyong this week. But yeah, in attack, he also notched a try contribution, a line break contribution, as well as a forced dropout and plenty of key line engagements um, drawing in Lake, Lake's defenders. So an all-round effort by the captain there. And I think he got them over the line with his leadership. So he's a big mover in our stats leaderboard, which we'll get to pretty soon. We certainly will. We'll jump to that in a moment. And just a reminder for any of those clubs that are listening and they're not one of the uh, the great clubs that are utilising your services already, mate, if they're looking at it, even if it's for the later this year or for 2022, um, how can they get in touch with, with yourself to get these great numbers to really analyse the, the data behind what their teams are doing out on the field? Yeah, sure. They can um, obviously either message the podcast, Lee Castle's Facebook page, just send us a message through there. Um, and also, if you want to email me, Josh Spiegelman at Outlook.com. Last name's a bit of a mouthful, so probably best to just uh, message the Facebook page. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. You, you and I will see it come through, and if, if you don't see it, I'll get it straight to you. So uh, great to see you, mate. Uh, a big thank you for breaking that down. Let's get into the leaderboard, and I note that we're now up to 89 players with points to their name, so it's growing every week. It's uh, it's uh, great to see that the, the spread of talent and, and stat accrual uh, is uh, is diverse throughout our competition, but there are some some common names popping up fairly regularly, mate. We might uh, we'll, we'll be a we'll go a top eleven this week, and uh, I'll start off with 
those guys on eight. None other than uh, workhorse from Maitland, Sam Anderson, and uh, the emerging star on the leaderboard. Uh, I think he might be a sneaky dark horse if they can continue their form. Logan Radzovic, uh, he's been an absolute superstar, as we said, both on eight points sitting in equal 11th place. Sorry. Yeah, that's right, mate. They both moved up from uh, six and five points, respectively, so they make an appearance now on the graphical post tomorrow. And if we move to the nine points, we have four players yeah, sitting there. So Tyler Randall from Curry's moved up from eight points last week. And then we have three players who have remained on nine points. So Adrian Davis, Tyron Roberts-Davis, both in Cessnock, and Luke Higgins from Macquarie, who is unfortunately injured. So um, he was a great contender to win this competition, but unlikely now, obviously, with that yeah, surgery. Yeah, I'm sure our currently one of our current leaders will be very happy that his prop won't be stealing points off him anymore. I'll jump onto the 10 points uh, that we're up to. I'll do the 10 and the 11, which will be 6th and 5th place. In 6th place, Chad O'Donnell makes his move after that hat-trick of tries and points and sneaks up to 6th place on 10 points. And then in 5th place, another man who's been in absolute red-hot form, I think back-to-back three-pointers, as we said. So he's moved up in two weeks from 5 points to 11, none other than... Central Newcastle 5'8", Dylan Pithy, and he'll be another one who, in the form that he's in at the moment, will be one to keep an eye on. That is for sure, mate. Definitely, definitely. He's made some great yeah, great moves in the last few weeks. And, um, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll let you reel out the top four, mate. Fire away through all of them. Sounds good, mate. Yep, 12 points. We're going to go um, Brock Lamb. He remains on 12. Uh, as usual, unlucky not to get a point in every match he plays, Brock. But when you're surrounded by that much talent that can pop off, like Chad O'Donnell, any week with a hat-trick in 20 minutes, it's hard to keep accruing points. So Brock stays on 12. Then you've got um, Mitch Williams from Wine, who we mentioned just previously. He's moved from 9 to 12, so they're both in equal second. And then um, joint leaders, we have Spider, who's moved from 11 to 13 points, and uh, obviously from Central, and Royce Jeffrey, who, as you mentioned, will be happy that Luke Higgins isn't there to steal points off him, but I'm sure he'd still love him in the team for the sake of wins. <laughs> so, uh, obviously more important than stats. So, um, yeah, Royce Jeffrey, uh 12 points to 13 this week. So there you have it. That's the leaderboard. Yeah, and a reminder that thanks to Smart Artists that we do have a prize on the line at the end of the year for this one alongside a couple of other prizes. $100 cash as well as $100 to the charity of the winner's choice. And a couple of, couple of players to watch on that list this week will be Brock Lamb and certainly Logan Radzovic as well as Matt Cooper uh, and Nick Glowey who sit just out of the uh, the top 12 that we went through because they've all got that game in hand and things will Settle back down, and of course, how, how did I miss Tyler Randall? So there could be some movers and shakers amongst some of those, as well as some of those other Maitland players. So watch those games with some interest on Sunday, mate, because uh, undoubtedly, uh, I'm sure at least one of those players will be chalking some points. Oh, without a doubt, mate, you'd think so. Yeah, it should be great. It's always good to have some extra footy on a weekend that was supposed to be a bye week. So hope everyone enjoys it. Certainly is, and uh, if you if you uh, are out and about on Saturday as well, don't forget that the rep games are on. On Saturday, uh, the Newcastle Rebels taking on Canberra in both first and reserve grade. We'll have a quick look at the uh, top few in the leaderboard for the try scorers before we take a bit of a spell, mate, and then we'll come back and, and pull apart Origin really quickly uh, later on in the show. But uh, as it stands at the moment, we talked about him before. Perry LeBrock is the runaway leader. He's on 15 tries after his hat-trick on the weekend. He leads by three from Joe Woodbury. Another one back on 11 is his teammate, James Bradley. Then we've got Royce Jeffrey and Rob Bursaro back on nine. Uh, Tyrone Roberts-Davis and Cameron Spider-Anderson, who's got three in three weeks on eight. Chad O'Donnell pulls up level with Randall Briggs in equal eighth on seven. And then it's back to the pack with sixes, fives, and they're on. Just uh, to compare, 
We are now up to 173 try scorers this season. So you do the maths there, mate. We've got 10 clubs. Clubs on average field 17 players. So that means that there shouldn't be too many guys on a nudie run this year. <laughs> yeah, for their sake and for our sake. Yeah, you'd hope, so. you'd hope not. Yeah, society's the winner there, mate. That is for sure. Uh, but make sure to uh, stay on... on uh, listening guys we will have some uh, guests coming on the show we'll have uh, Matt Nickel the coach from Lakes we'll have uh, a couple of guests from the Newcastle on a Hunter both men's and women's tackle competitions and then we'll be back with Josh later on to talk all things state of origin mate so we'll give you a little bit of a rest up put your feet up for for uh, you know half an hour to an hour and uh, we'll come back shortly and uh, chat some state of origin mate sounds good mate speak soon All right, it's that time of the show when we get into the Denton Engineering Cup and it's going to be a little bit of a, a lighter wrap this week with just the catch-up games and the Newcastle Rebels matches ahead. But with some of the changes that have gone on recently uh, around the league, we thought we'd take the opportunity to catch up with the uh, newly appointed interim uh, first-grade coach of the Lakes United Seagulls, uh, Matt Nickel. Welcome to League Castle. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. And Matt, we're having a bit of a chat off air. You've obviously been around the area for a bit over a decade now, a number of different hats, uh, including playing with a couple of local clubs as well as being at the Knights and now found yourself at Lakes and uh, recently elevated into the uh, the first grade head coach role, mate. Um, how, how are you finding it? Obviously reasonably new in the Lakes scene in recent years, but uh, how are you finding it taking control of the club now? Uh, look, it was fairly well unexpected. I, um, I didn't head out to Lakes this year. Uh, expecting to be in this role. However, um, yeah, it's been okay, mate. I'm not going to change too much uh, moving forward for the rest of the year. It's just trying to tap into what we've already got, I guess. Um, I still believe, you know, we've got a bit of talent there. There's a, still a fair bit to play for. And, um, yeah, we're still looking ahead at the finals. So, yeah, it's a lot to go. Yeah, well, recent results certainly suggest there's plenty to work with. And, and we know the fact that, you know, looking at the Lakes list, it, it's quite a young squad you've got to work with, mate. Is that something that, um, you know, with your background, especially having worked with the 20s at the Knights and those things, that sort of really appeals to you? Oh, absolutely. Um, well, Lakes, from from day one, I've always built, built around juniors and um, developing their players. And, you know, they don't bring in too much, but what they do bring in, they try and bring in quality to suit those young guys. So... It's always exciting at Lakes. Um, I coached them back in 15, 16. And, you know, in this squad I've got now, there's, you know, there's four or five of them from that um, 19 squad we had. So, yeah, it's, it's really exciting. So Yeah, it's certainly something it, that, you know, having been out at Lakes myself, at, you know, albeit a long time removed, they're very strong on and, and you only need to go out to Barton Oval on a Saturday morning to see how strong they are on their junior focus and, and the way they bring those affiliate clubs together and then try and create that, Real, you know, formal is probably not the right word, but that really clear cut pathway for, you know, kids that, you know, whether it be an under eight at Swansea, Windale, Belmont North, or Valentine to go all the way through and become, you know, the next the f- next first grader, whether it's a, you know, a Nick Glohe through to, you know, the, the, those that have come before and, you know, Ian Burks and Paul Harrigans. Oh, ab- absolutely. Like you can, um, you can go down to any ground around um, the local area and there's kids kicking footies around, you know, that's what they do around here. And, and, you, you know, you talk to anyone that's 15 or 16 um, that coming through their pathways, you know, they want to play for Lakes United. And, um, 
you know, they've always had the fruits of um, great junior coaching out here and, it, you know, they, they really tap into it. And it's, um, you know, it's no surprise sort of every two or three years they're actually competing for, you know, an under-19s grand final if, if they don't already win it. So, yeah, you know, it's um, it's a club built on a lot of tradition, um, you know, and, and, and the juniors are the major part of that. So, um, yeah, it is exciting. And in terms of your role, is is it a primarily first grade focus role, or are you are you taking a bit of a whole of club approach with your experience in previous years with both the Knights and with the lower grades at Lakes, as you talked about? Uh, look, for me, a, a first grade coach has to coach a club. It's never about the first grade side. Yes, that's the ultimate um, goal is to win first grade premierships. However, you don't get that success unless you um, focus on a, on a whole club sort of um, mentality. Um, and and you know like the idea is is when we bring guys into this club is actually we recruit around our juniors so you know you just can't leave them behind so yeah that is a major focus of mine and um, yeah I think moving forward nothing's going to change there that's for sure. Yeah, it's certainly been something, if you look at Lakes in, in recent years, they're not one to go out and, and take on a whole squad coming in. It is still about building some key pieces around those players that are there. And, you know, obviously this year, the, the, probably the, the biggest signing that we saw come in in the first half of the season was was Joel Edwards. And, and he certainly added something alongside the likes of Nick Lowy and Bossy there in the pack, just a bit more experience with those young guys. Oh, ab- absolutely. Like, we all know um, what Joel's accomplished in his own in his own right and um, you know there's nothing better when you've got a guy like that at training and um, you know and the guys can look up to it and they can see how he prepares and, and they can try and base a little bit of their game around him and, and it also helps mate um, it's like another voice and, you know they're not going to get bored with my voice all the time because guys like Sean Boston and, and Joel Edwards they're experienced and, they, and they've got a big say in what we do so you know yeah it's, it's been a fantastic addition yeah, certainly, and, and certainly the results have, have started to turn in the last few weeks. Obviously, last week not the result you would have wanted. Um, but, yeah, that. Sorry, mate. Go on. Oh yeah, that was a, that was the most disappointing uh, result of the year last week. So um, yeah, we're just going to learn from that and keep going, keep improving. But uh, and in terms of that, obviously the home record's been good. The boys, you know, and I know certainly in my time, you know, the club probably wasn't even in as good a spot as it is now. But um, certainly, you know, it's always another leg that's grown for anyone wearing that blue and yellow when you get the opportunity to play in front of the faithful at Carl Oval. How have you found sort of the community down there? Oh, look, I've been involved in, in Newcastle Rugby League now for, you know, 10 plus years and, and there's no better support base than, than Lakes United. They're, um, they're next level. They, they live and breathe it. Um, you know, and, and they turn up when, you know, when you're not doing so well. So when you actually do well, it's, yeah, it's unbelievable. You know, so yeah, they get really get behind the uh, the guys here. That's for sure. And just we talked about it before in terms of that whole of club approach, as you termed it, and 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 looking at the club, like every grade is still well and truly within you know Cooey of the finals, all the way down to that the um, open grade side that you've got in the D grade competition. They sit third. You've got your 19, who I think sit third as well, um, with uh, a game in hand. Obviously, a couple of the other sides up the top there, they'll you know have that as well, and we'll get into those this uh, in a little bit about this weekend. Your reserve grade sits seventh, similar to yourselves. They, you know, they're, if you're just looking at ladder positions, then yeah, it doesn't look great. But only a couple of wins outside of fifth spot as well, similar to, to the first grade side. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, if we had got the win last week, 
Then we beat West this weekend, which is quite winnable. Um, you know, we, we actually are sitting in fifth, so it really is only a game or two out. Um, admittedly, though, we can't let any more slip um, like last week. We've got to be better with that and um, actually start ticking those um, competitive games into points. But, um, yeah, yeah, like I said, it, it looks like we're down in second last, but it's, the season's nowhere near over yet, that's for sure. Yeah, certainly not. It's interesting, actually, even talking to some of the guys at one of your former clubs in Souths, and, and they're certainly approaching things, even after that tough grinding loss to Central in those wet conditions, which is similar to what you faced against Wyong. They're still talking that, you know, with six games in hand for them, yes, they're pretty much all must-win from here, but if they can string all those six together, finish the season on 16 points, they're more than likely that they that they land very close to or in that fifth spot. Yeah, that's right. And, um, you know, like ourselves, Curry. Uh, South, you know, we're all in the same boat, and what you know, you got the guys up the top in in Maitland and um, Cessnock and and teams like that. You know, they, they've gone ahead, so you sort of just let them go. And there's a little pack of uh, five or six where yeah, we're really starting our own competition now in a way. Yeah, certainly right. And obviously, if you can get to fifth place, then you're going to be sitting in pretty good form going into the finals. Still a big ask if you can get there and then to go on a bit of a run, but it's been done by sides before. Oh, absolutely. We all know um, there's nothing better than momentum going into finals. And, and once you get into finals, we all know as well it's a new season. So, you know, yeah, like I said, we're, we're doing nothing but looking forward to the finals. Uh, we know we've got to take it one week at a time, but, you know, that's, that's still a, a big goal and we think we can achieve it. So, yeah, we're not looking back, that's for sure. Uh, now, before we do get into talking about this weekend's game, and it is a key one, as you hinted at just before, mate, we might just take a little bit of a, a side tangent and, and have a look at the uh, the rep fixture that's coming up this weekend. I know that there's um, at least one or two of your boys, I think, playing in the 20s game, which we'll start with. Uh, yep. So what, what are your thoughts there? Obviously, a great opportunity for some rep footy. It's great to see some of those young guys that have tasted first grade, not only at your club, and I'll run through the side in a minute. Um, after I grab your thoughts, but uh, certainly a great opportunity for those young guys, especially to get a taste of representative footy up against the Canberra side. Yeah, um, look, rep football is great, especially for the young kids. You know, they get into a bit of a camp, they get some uh, around some new guys that they, you know, they play against or they don't normally hang out with. Some new coaching philosophies, you know, it's good for them, and you know, they can only be better when they come back to us. So yeah, I really endorse it. Um, so yeah, yeah, good luck to them all. Yeah, lovely. Mate. We'll have a quick run through the under-20 side who do play, I believe it's one thirty against Canberra at Maitland Sports Ground. It's part of a, a four-game feature day. There'll be two under-17s games, which will also include the Lakes under-17s, I believe, um, the two 17-1s games, followed by the 20s and then the first grade. The 20s side, uh, we've got Tom Reynolds from South Newcastle at fullback, Sam Smith from Lakes United on the wing, Callan Briggs from Macquarie in the centres alongside Ryan Weatherall from Northern Hawks, Pat Achurch from West at, uh, is on the other wing, the halves, Kurt Donoghue from Central, Max Badiris from West, uh, the front rowers, Harry Whitfield and Carlin Pettit from Cessnock and South. Your Ryan Potts is in the number nine from Lakes. The back row, Harvey Neville, Ethan Campbell and Tyler Doney from Cessnock and the last two central respectively. And then the bench, Cohen Gielan and Sione Tuitupu Kutu from Lakes. Uh, Travon Lamalama and Lachlan O'Brien from Central and then Harrison Spruce and Joey Barber from Cessnock. So plenty of first grade experience sprinkled through that side. So they certainly won't be lacking for experience up against the young Canberra guys. Yeah, well, when you, when you um, go through the list and you name those guys, there's plenty of um, first-grade experience there. So, look, they're going to be competitive. Um, and, you know, we know Canberra are always going to throw out a strong side no matter who they put on the park. But, um, yeah, when you go through that list, yeah, there's a 
plenty of first grade experience there. So, yeah, look out. They could be in for a big one. Certainly is. Um, and what, what a way to kick off the weekend of footy with, with that double header on Saturday. And if you can get to the 17s as well, um, followed by, uh, obviously, Carl Oval or um, Curry Sports Ground as your taste dictate, uh, which we'll get to in a moment, mate. I'll just run through the first grade side as well. No Lakes players um, with uh, that squad, but we've got Cameron Anderson at fullback. Joe Woodbury and Royce Jeffrey, uh, the wing and centre on one side by Tyrone Roberts-Davis from Cessnock and James Bradley from Maitland will be the other side. Dylan Pythian from Central at 5'8". AJ Davis from Cessnock at halfback. Jaden Butterfield and James Taylor, the Maitland front rowers, are up front. Billy Gilbert, who's been a standout for Cessnock at hooker. Wyatt Shaw and Mitch Cullen, the back rowers from Cessnock and Curry, respectively. Connor Kirkwood will be at lock in jersey 15. And the bench, Matt Moon from Macquarie. Joe Bromage from West Newcastle. Robert Tuilatu from Cessnock. Matt Sopalola from Maitland and Henry Penn from Curry Curry. So uh, that's a, a fairly stacked side considering some of the guys that have made themselves unavailable uh, for that side. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a hell of a side. You know, they've got some NRL experience. They've got you know, National 20s experience. They've got New South Wales Cup experience. So you put all that together, there's some strike there, there's some experience. Um, yeah, they're going to be tough to beat. Very, very tough. They certainly will. And certainly some young up-and-comers as well. I think Cam Anderson, well-deserved, probably is one of the ones he stood out for me in, in a lot of the footy that I've been involved in officiating this year. Yeah. Um, he's been an absolute find over the last few years for... Uh, Central and uh, certainly looked like he enjoyed playing alongside his brother on debut on the weekend, which is scary to think that there's another younger one of them coming through. They both managed to assist each other for a try, which is a nice way to start a career yeah. off in first grade. Yeah, well, um, Cam actually did a um, New South Wales Cup preseason with us last year. And, um, you know, when, when he first turned up, he was very raw, but, he, geez, he was willing to learn. And unfortunately... Um, his work, I think mean, the school teacher took him to Sydney. So he, he sort of late in the preseason, he sort of had to pull out. But but where he started to where he finished in sort of a two and a half, three month period, he, he improved dramatically. And, and I, 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 it does no surprise to me how well he's going. So, you know, um, yeah, full credit to him. Yeah, well, all the best to the Newcastle side. Hopefully they can represent us well and chalk up two wins. And um, as I said, a great day of football up at Maitland Sports Ground uh, with those four games on uh, Saturday. So a great way to kick off the Rugby League weekend. But let's get back to talking Denton Engineering Cup. And it's been a long time in the works. Uh, The round one washout games now to be played after round 12, three months down the track. Uh, you, you nearly had the opportunity, your side, to uh, due to ground availability to take a first-grade game back to one of your junior grounds in Lenigan Oval at the start of the year, but unfortunately wet weather had other ideas and now it's been rescheduled, mate, and uh, it will take place this Sunday against Wes. Yeah, well, um, we're kind of in that lucky position as we just spoke about with, um, you know, not being far out of the finals and, and things like that. So this sort of catch-up game, you know, it can be really handy for us. So... It's a game that we've sort of been banking on. Um, so, you know, look, we're, we're going to give ourselves every opportunity. We're prepared pretty good so far. Um, you know, we've got a good session tomorrow. And then, um, yeah, hopefully come Sunday afternoon, we'll, we'll roll away with two points. And then what's the Blues um, come away with an origin victory as well, mate? Could be, a, could be a nice weekend for some of your boys, yeah. if uh, especially those young blokes. If they can get a win in the 20s, knock off the... Uh, and, you know, let's be honest, it, it, as much as it's not a local rival, it's always a rivalry between Lakes and West. Um, I know even when we were when I was out there and we were running bottom of the ladder and they were at the top, it's always a game that's sort of marked on the calendar. But it's a perfect opportunity for both sides this weekend. West obviously have turned around a very slow start to the season and, and strung together. Uh, I think it's now five on the trot. Uh 
So, and, you know, no mean feat knocking off uh, Cessnock and Macquarie in two weeks consecutive. You guys were the middle of that run, but it was 14-0, which tells us that you're certainly in the arm wrestle with them. Yeah, well, they're, they're very similar to the way we've been. Um, un- unfortunately, unlike uh, West, we just haven't been able to turn those, you know, those close periods of the games into, you know, in the, in a, into a try or we don't execute right. And, and West just seemed at the moment have, have found that. So, you know, and they're hanging in there and they're playing some good footy and they're, and they're reaping the wards of it. And that's what I keep saying to our guys. It's, the tide will turn. We've just got to keep at it. And we've just got to start winning those moments. So, yeah, we're looking forward to it. And, um, you know, we know they're beatable. But, you know, we've got, to, we've got to get there and we've got to do the right thing and we've got to try and, um, you know, turn the tide the way we need to. Yeah, well, hopefully plenty of the local punters from around the area can get down and you can get a bumper crowd in at Carl Oval. The uh, forecast is cool and sunny, which is perfect for footy across the weekend. A nice dry track, which will be good after last weekend. Before I let you go, mate, I will get some quick thoughts on the other catch-up game this weekend. Curry, Curry, uh, you saw them a few weeks ago and put them to the sword. Uh, they're going to ha- certainly have their work cut out for them against a red-hot Maitland side, even with a number of those players backing up from rep f- uh, duties on Saturday. Yeah, they're going to be up against it. But look, any, you know, Curry also have had some players come back, I think, since uh, we played them a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, they're getting a few guys back. Um, and look, to be honest, there's no easy games in this um, competition. So if, if Maitland don't turn up ready to play themselves, I'm sure Curry's um, good enough to actually get them. But, you know, it's going to be hard and they're going to have to work pretty hard. But, yeah, look, I'd, you know, if I was a betting man, which I am, I'll, I'll <laughs> be having me hard earned on Maitland. <laughs> yes, certainly, as, as you mentioned, Curry, welcome back in. Henry Penn and Tyler Randall this week. So two very good inclusions. Henry Penn, obviously, in the rep side as well. But uh, Tyler Randall with that NRL experience. So I'm sure they'll be aiming for an ambush under Mitch Cullen's tutelage there. And, um, yeah, it'll, it'll be a cracker as well. But Look, he, he's everything to Curry. All their structure comes off him. He's their most influential player. So if they can get him firing, mate, I'm sure they'll, uh, they'll give themselves every opportunity. Lovely, mate. And as I was saying, hopefully we can get bumper crowds out to both games. That'll be uh, a great result for, for the home clubs and just for the atmosphere in general with only two games to pick from. So all the best for the weekend, mate. And hopefully uh, we're talking to you or one of the boys in uh, you know half a dozen weeks' time as you're charging into a round 18 fixture um, that you know determines and you've got your own fate in your hands heading into the finals. Yeah, thanks very much, mate. Hopefully, uh, yeah, we speak soon. And, yeah, we're ticking along a few wins and we're putting ourselves in contention for finals. So, yeah, thanks very much. Welcome back. We are now delving into the Newcastle and Hunter Community Rugby League and it's time of our schedule to get into the C-grade competition this week and uh, very fortunate to have garnered the services of one of the senior players who's been around the traps at uh, East Maitland Griffins for a little while, none other than Logan Wiltshire. Logan, welcome to League Castle. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Hey, mate. Uh, appreciate your time, mate. Uh, the Griffins, it's... Uh, they're a club that have been with us for a long time. They, they certainly went deep in the uh, fan favourite vote uh, for, a, for a little one-side second division club, that's for sure, which was very impressive. But uh, it's been a tough time. I know during COVID, there was the, the Griffins were you know on the ropes, and even at the start of this year, there was talk about whether or not they'd come back. But you've come back, you've got a side on the paddock, and you're, you're you know, throwing your weight around in the C-grade competition. How's it been sort of on and off the field out at uh, Henny Penny Stadium there, mate? <laughs> uh, no, it's been good, mate. Like, We've only won one game all year, but the blokes we have in our team are a good bunch of blokes. Like most of them still 
pretty pretty young, but it's their first year of all age as well. So it's going to take them probably a couple of years to get used to the game, but of all age anyway. But no, nah, it's been good on the field. There, been pretty much been in every game we've played this year. It's just a few things haven't gone our way, and just you know, say we drop a ball, and then they score a try, and they just roll on with it. But off, off the field, it's been good off the field as well. Like despite the result, we still had a beer with each other after the game, which is you know the most important thing about footy. But yeah, nah. So, yeah, so, so, it's going so good. So it's going the, good. The, the, the beers are always a key part, especially as you you know, without wanting to be disrespectful, get further down those grades. Uh, the social element probably uh, increases in priority as much as you know. It's a good a good opportunity to. I, pro- I suppose playing footy almost, you know, just means you drink a little bit later on a Saturday, but it's a good opportunity to get around some blokes. And, you know, there's a lot of talk around, you know, those sorts of mental health aspects of, you know, sport and participation, which is, that's one of the great things, uh, I, I guess, about these, these local clubs that still, you know, kick along and, and East Maitland alongside, you know, a lot of those other CD and Northern Conference clubs are, are really key for a lot of people just, you know, to have that aspect. But, mate, that mateship's always a good part of the local footy. Yeah, well, that's what it's all about, mate. Like, you know, you got go to work Monday to Friday, and you know, play footy on Saturday. But yeah, yeah, it certainly is, mate. Um, you talk about you know, in terms of like results, it may not be the most successful season so far. But I will note that you are you guys are leading something this year, and that is the try scorers. Barry Wells is the leading try scorer for Seagrave at the moment, mate. So for a side that's only got one win, he's uh, doing the Nathan Merritt. He's out there on nine tries. Uh, one try in front of Ethan Coe and Akapai Fanoa from Katara and Woodbury, respectively. So, might be the key. Uh, even if he's not winning, just make sure you keep getting the ball to uh, Barry so that uh, he can keep uh, chalking up those uh, four pointers, mate. Yeah, well, he's a big boy, old old Baz. He's played mostly fullback this year. The last couple of weeks we've played him at centre and we just try to get him some early ball, one on one with a defender. But um, yeah, he's a big boy. He's, he just he just runs real hard and he's, he's very tough to take down. And he scored. He's actually scored a couple of long range tries this year. I don't know how he's done it because also he's running on the treadmill sometimes. But <laughs> he gets he gets us there. That's for sure. <laughs> and mate, I have to ask the question of you. Uh, the uh, the great Grant Lobley who teed up this uh, interview for me, uh, mate. He gave me a few nicknames. Uh, I just want to ask about. There's there's one of them I won't I won't ask about because it's probably yeah you know, it might might be a bit more unsavory than we need. But uh, uh, Dig Daddy Wilch is that meant to be big and and Ken Shagwell. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about the big daddy wheel trying, but the Ken Shagwell is very known around Maitland. Yeah, right. You got, got a bit of a rap there, mate. I like that. That's all right. And, and uh, you're not, you're not too well, modest the, either. The name, the name speaks for itself. <laughs> there's, there's worse things yeah. a man can be called around a footy club. Oh, yeah. I'm happy. I'm happy with that. I've been called worse, that's for sure. Now, mate, uh, obviously, you t- we talked about it before. You're only in your mid 20s, but you're one of the senior players there. Who, who's been the, the the key or the core in in getting this side back up and running after the year off last year and uh, bringing the Griffins back at you know a, a historical brand in in Maitland Rugby League and, and Newcastle and Hunter? Well, before um, before COVID here, we had um, Brett White Lobs, our coach. He was, um, he was, I think. He was only assistant coach at the time. But before then, we had heaps of blows training the house down. Then once COVID hit, we didn't have a coach for this year. And he happily put his hand up to take over. And, you know, so, you know, we've struggled. We've struggled for numbers and injuries and that this year. But he's really bringing everyone together, you know, just keep everyone interested. You know, it really takes time to, like, individually help everyone. So, he's been a massive he's, – he's really helped us get back playing for you again. Yeah, it's great to hear. And it takes some of those key people sort of off the field as well. And 
hopefully, as I said, you know, personally, you know, and I only live just up the road from Henny Penny Stadium myself, hopefully we'll see the Griffins, you know, this year. Obviously, as you said, it's been challenging numbers-wise, but hopefully a few more people will see that the Griffins are back this year and it'll lead into more numbers next year. I know there's a, an under-16 side in the local uh, junior club as well, so hopefully in the next couple of years you'll see a couple of those guys start to come across as well, um, which would be great to see some of those young guys, especially as, you know, you mid-20s senior players become late-20s and early-30s senior players. You're going to need to start seeing some of these young blokes coming through, and it's certainly a growing area with Chisholm and all those other sorts of things, so hopefully... You know, um, the numbers start to pick up and, and thrive over the next couple of years and we see the Griffins going back to where they, they once were, maybe even back to the days of being an A-grade powerhouse. Yeah, well, it's, it's been a while since we've had like, a lot of juniors um, like come play all age. I think I think maybe I think my age group, I think we're probably the last crop to come through and actually play all age. So it's been a while, long time between drinks where we've seen another crop of juniors come through, but... Yeah, uh, no, it's a big area, East Mail. Like, it, it, um, I'm trying to think what I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> You're all right, mate. <laughs> nah, it is. Well, everyone, yeah, you want the club to keep going strong and you know, keeping those juniors interested. Hopefully, you know, one day they'll come to Henny Penny Stadium and put on an all jersey. Let's, I think I think that's the key sometimes, and, and we certainly see it. And we've uh, had a chat to the new Lakes coach, Matt Nickel, on the on the pod today, and he was talking about those clubs filtering into Lakes United. And Maitland Pickers obviously got a similar situation where that that happens. But the, the reality of it is, lots of guys either you know ability, time commitments, work commitments, family uh, interest, you know whatever, don't go on to want to play first grade and reserve grade. So it's great if we can keep them in the game and the likes of yourselves and Morpeth and, you know, Woodbury and Thornton, give them those opportunities. So if, if those guys, especially the ones that have come through the East Maitland Juniors, even if they go and try their luck at, at the pickers, you know, once they come back, do drift back, it would be um, certainly great for the club. Yeah, it would be, mate. Like, they can go away. Like, every club they go to, like, you learn a new thing and, you know, yeah, each new club you go to, you learn a new thing and, you know, once you, you know, you, you learn from what you're doing, and when you, you know, decide you want to come out there, you're smart, you got all this knowledge, like, you know what to do. Like, yeah, so you don't have to be stuck at one club all your life and just, you know, go out, yep. you know, learn on some different coaches and tell them how you play. And, you know, good coaches usually help you help you improve dramatically, but, yeah. Yeah, and we've certainly seen that with some of the guys that have come back from the pickers at different points. I know Luke Mercer was, was probably a really good example of that at one point that was there at East Maitland. So hopefully we see that in the coming years as some of those juniors decide that, you know, almost semi-professional football as the top-tier comps become now isn't quite for them. And as you said, you know, come out, come out you know, keep, keep yourself in, in somewhat condition depending on, you know, who you are and what position you play. Uh, that's that's a pretty flexible requirement in C grade, I think, uh, from my previous memories of those sorts of grades and playing. But uh you know, still having to run around doing something, getting around the boys and having a beer and just keeping your toe in the, in the rugby league waters. Yeah, well, that, that's right. Like, you know, rugby league, you know, um, you know, you play for the love of it, you know, like, um, Oh, fuck. Oh, uh, you're right, mate. So, yeah, mate, that's 100% right. You play for the love of it, and that probably sums it up better than anything else we can put to it. You play for the love of it. If you get the chance to play with your mates and play in your, your, uh, you know, on your back doorstep, especially if you're a local, then, then then take that opportunity. So hopefully that's the case. But, mate, let's, let's have a look back. We talked about, obviously, uh, off the air, you guys played Hamilton last week, and you were right in that game at half time. I think you said it was 12 all at the break, and... They they just sort of uh, sort of you know moved your side to side. They're a fit unit of a side and quite a young side. Uh, mate, do you th- do you think they're going to be one of the sides that'll be there when the whips are cracking? 
Yeah, mate, I think anyone around, just not the top five, like even just a couple of teams outside the top five, like everyone, everyone in that grade's got a chance of winning it since when, you know, since when they wanted to decide to hit their straps. But no, Hamilton, I wouldn't rule them out. Yeah, there's a few teams you wouldn't want to rule out. But yeah, they just, they know how to move, they're a young team as well. They know how to move the ball around. Like they killed us last week with their second phase play and moving us side to side. Yeah. But yeah, they're yeah, tough bastards, that's for sure. Yeah, lovely, mate. And uh, we'll, we'll have a quick run through the other results. A bit of an upset for Kersley, getting a 28-22 win over West Walls End. Walls End, Maryland, 26-12 winners over Morissette. Fingal Bay, who you'll face this week, and we'll get into shortly, 36-10 winners over Awabakal. And Katara, 34-22 winners over Woodbury, mate. So that leaves the ladder. That, that loss for West Walls End sees them drop down to second behind Katara. Uh, Woodbury sit in third on 12 points, Fingal on 11, and then we've got Awabakal and Walls and Maryland in equal fifth on 10. Uh, Morissette on nine, and then Hamilton on six, Kersley on four, yourselves back on two. So, you know, a couple of wins can quickly drag you up the ladder. And, I mean, you would have been sitting in front of Kersley before last week in that upset win, and, and I'm sure that gives you guys a, a little bit of hope that, you know, if, if they're managing to knock off, you know, the, the top side when first plays last... That um, there's you know opportunity if you can you know turn up and uh, and just surprise some of these higher ranked sides. Yeah, well, like I said, mate, well, we've been in every game we've played this year. Like just like well, we'll drop like we just made a lot of silly mistakes, and off the back of that, my teams just finish it off, finish us off. But um, yeah, I didn't know we'll come a while still. I checked out tonight, so Kirkley won, so that's good to see. But um. Nah, there are. Just gives you some hope, but it's a, probably probably not the news you wanted to find before we before you jumped on here, mate. That's <laughs> oh, nah, right. I, like I think it's seven seven games to go. So like, so if we just turn up every week with the right attitude, and, you know, just believe in each other, like, we'll, we'll, we'll I reckon we'll get we'll get a good couple of wins towards the end of the year. We just have to be just confident in our, just believe and be confident in ourselves. Yeah, I love that, mate. I love that attitude. Let's let's have a look at, at round ten, as you say. We are getting to you know the second half of the season now. Um, and we'll run through the games, and it looks like all the fixtures are on Saturday afternoon, and we'll, we'll run through the other fixtures and then loop back to yours. So we'll start with West Walls End taking on Woodbury. I know this one, when they played in the first round of the year, was an absolute humdinger. It was very physical, and uh, I believe West Walls End ran out the winners then, but Woodbury had fancy their chances even on the road against West Walls End after Westy got rolled by Kersley last week. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, Woodbury, Sally, Sally were a bit clunky, but Last, I think I won about six or seven in a row until last weekend. So yeah, it's 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 a dog fight when you play Woodbury for eighty minutes. That's for sure. But West Wales, well, West and boys, they'll hold their own. But that's a toss of a coin there. It could go either way. Yeah, it's certainly going to be a physical one for those that head out to Les Wakeman Oval. Let's jump down to the next one, and it, and it's the upset winners from last year and Kersley. They will take on Walls End Maryland. Walls End Maryland seem to have been a little bit up and down this year from what I've seen, mate. So um, it could be interesting to see what they turn up with, but Kersley will certainly be full of confidence after knocking off the Magpies. Yeah, Walls End, we, um, when we played them, uh, I think they got out to a lead and we got and we hit the lead. Then they took the game out in the air. But yeah, they have been a bit up and down, but... Um, that should, that should actually be a good game. Kersley coming off coming off coming off a win for the first time in a while. Well, they'll be looking to go back to the back and keep it down on the bottom. Yeah, I'm sure they will. I think it's their first win since they pipped you guys after they dropped back down, originally having been in B grade. Oh, so that's right. yeah. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be looking forward to that rematch, I'm sure, mate. But uh Yeah. 
Let, let's jump into the, the next fixture. We'll skip over yours, as I said, and we'll come back. This one is an interesting one. A Wobbacle, who were one of the early pace setters. 3.30, they head to Hudson Park over at Katara and take on the latter leaders, Katara, who, as you said, brought uh, Woodbury's winning run to an end last week. They're, they're a pretty impressive side at the moment, Katara, although a Wobbacle, if they turn up at their absolute peak, um, are pretty hard to stop as well. Yeah, um, a Wobbacle, they're a funny team. Like, they can just turn it on like just like that in 10, 15 minutes and put three or four tries on you. But Katara, they're, Katara are a pretty physical side. They're, 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 they're hooker and halves work really well together. But um, they'll be a, a, should be a good game as well. I reckon, maybe, I reckon probably Katara might just pip them. Yeah, I, think, I think it'll be a game. Looking at some of the previous results, there might be plenty of points on offer there. We'll move on to the, the um, penultimate game we're going to talk about, the second last, which is Morissette versus Hamilton. Now, this one was a rivalry last year in the C grade. These two teams went hammer and tongs three or four times during the year with Hamilton getting the better of it overall. But there's not much love lost. Uh, two sides are both fairly disciplined, which works quite in their favour generally in these competitions. But again, the, you know, it's a tough trip out there to Morissette. Four o'clock on a uh, Saturday afternoon. It's going to be quite cool by the time that one finishes. So it won't be the best place to visit um, Gibson Field on uh, Saturday afternoon at four o'clock for the Ducks. Yeah, well, I mean, I've, I've actually watched Morissette play, play this year, but going off what you just said, it should be a cracker of a game. Because um, well, last time we played Morissette, when you play Morissette, they're really in, like, they're a physical side as well. Like, they'll play the 80th minute, even if you're up by 20, like, so, yeah, that should be probably should be a good game as well. Yeah, it'll certainly be an arm wrestle one way or the other. I, I think I um, refereed the corresponding game last year. It was early in the season at, out there at uh, Gibson, and uh, I think it finished 12-6, and it was an absolute grind. Both sides, as you said, they're not the biggest sides necessarily, but they are very physical for, the, for their size, But they can, and they've got some skilled outside backs as well, so that'll be a cracker. But mate, the one that we want to really talk about is the, uh, the big road trip for the Griffins this week, heading up to Fingal Bay, where undoubtedly, You'll be uh, eye- eyeing off the uh, potential upset, mate. Um, have you had a look at Fingal Bay yet this year? I think you guys might have kicked off the season against them, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, yeah, we, we played them in round one. I think, uh, I think they beat about, I think they beat thirty-four, ten. Yeah. I think. Well, they had it over us all game. I think they just the scoreline didn't really reflect how actually close it was. But um, oh, I think their uh, yeah their spine their spine was pretty good as well. Like. Mainly focusing on the halves, but they had a couple of hookers there coming coming in and out, just changing the game up a bit. It really caught us out a lot. Yes. But, yeah, yeah, sorry, mate. Um, yeah, so they're not really a big side as well. I don't think Fingal. I think they're a real, real solid unit, but that's for sure. I certainly, are. there's something. I mean, obviously, I man, they've still got some of the guys that played in their A grade side over the last couple of years, but um, you know, when they've been up there in A and B grade. That said. They've lost some numbers, but they are the thing that I always notice about Fingal is they're one of those sides, and you and I'm sure you can probably think of sides. I'm not not going to ask you to name them, but when their benches come on, there's a real drop off between you know the starting pack and the bench pack. You don't really tend to notice, and you mentioned the hookers as well. You don't tend to notice that too much with Fingal. They just keep seeming on rolling and rolling, and it's around that they're quite uh, they run quite deep, I guess is the way of, the best way of putting that. Yeah, yeah, they do. Starting to bring back some memories now. Yeah, when we were playing them. Well, the forwards, yeah, whoever come on for them, they just kept rolling through us and it was just like, can you please stop doing that? Like, let us have a go for once. But, yeah, but, yeah no, I don't, really, I don't know any names yeah. or any players up there, but, yeah, they just, they all know that. They know their footy. They're, in footy terms, they know they know what they're doing. They're a pretty smart footy team. Yeah, they are, they are a smart footy team and they'll certainly be eyeing off another result at home. It's a tough place to visit up there at Fingal, but... 
Mate, hoping for your sake that you guys can uh, make the trip well and truly worthwhile, get the two points and uh, claw your way back past Kersley there. There's uh, plenty of key games this weekend, as we talked about. But, mate, good luck this weekend. Good luck for the rest of the season. I'll uh, certainly have to try and get my way down to Henny Penny Stadium at some point before the end of the year and have a beer with you guys. Hopefully it's after you're celebrating a win. And, uh, mate, yeah, again, thank you for your time. Uh, pass on my thanks as well to Grant for organising this. And, uh, yeah, good luck to the Griffins this weekend. And hopefully uh, we'll hear the uh, victory song ringing out around Henny Penny Stadium in the not-too-distant future. <laughs> Thanks, mate. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, it's a double dose of Newcastle and Hunter Community Rugby League this week. A big thanks, first of all, to Logan Wiltshire from the East Maitland Griffins, but it's now into the women's tackle competition. And we've been pretty lucky to have uh, some of the guns of the women's tackle competition over the last couple of months joining us. And uh, we thought it was time to share the love around and move on to a third club. And uh, we've been fortunate enough to... uh, grab uh, one of the girls from the South Newcastle Lions or Lionesses women's tackle team uh, in Erin White, who has very valiantly stepped up after a uh, late withdrawal, who she she might want to uh, give us some info behind the late withdrawal of uh, Sophie Higgins. Welcome to the show, Erin. Hi, thanks for having me. So do you, before we get too far into this, do you want to, uh, do you, have you got anything to say in regards to the, the late withdrawal of Sophie from the show? Or, uh, any questionable uh, yeah. moments? <laughs> Yeah, Sophie was uh, feeling a bit ill, um, but yeah, didn't stop her from heading to the hairdressers tonight. But <laughs> oh, a girl's got to look no her best, point. right? <laughs> Always, especially for a podcast. <laughs> yeah, lovely. Well, uh, well, a big, a big thanks to you for filling in at late notice. As we talked about off the air, it was kind of a, a pass the parcel. I uh, reached out to the uh, the son of your illustrious coach Ryan, who we had on the show the other week, um, and he uh, he put me in touch with Sophie, then put me in touch with you, but. Look, you've, um, we're talking about it off air. You've joined uh, the women's tackle for the first time this year. You've played a season of tag. You're an AFL girl before that. How has the transition from AFL player to ladies league tag to women's tackle player in the space of 24 months while you throw some COVID in there been? Yeah, um, it's very, very different. Um, going from AFL to tag especially, um, I found tag quite frustrating. Um <laughs> So making the transition to um, league, yeah, I found it really good. Um, so Higgins, we trained together at the gym. She came along to training and I did and, yeah, haven't looked back since. Yeah, and you settled right in and, and we'll get to that in a moment. But um, how's it been at South? So we talked about it off the air as well. You started in the halves. You've moved into number nine now after a couple of injuries. How have you found, obviously, the moving to a club like South, obviously it's a big club. It's not just a one-team one women's ta- uh, tackle side. You've got the boys there as well. There is, you know, quite a lot of culture that goes with the club. How have you found that? Yeah, yeah. If one word probably describe it as uh, really fun. So definitely um, hit the nail on the head in the sense of it's such a big club in terms of its culture. So um, being the first women's team, um, they've just embraced us as a club and, made us feel right at home there. Yeah, lovely. And, and you're 100% right. It is quite a big club too in terms of numbers, just the seniors now. They've got obviously the three men's side plus well, four men's side if you count the 19s as well, plus your side. So it's um, some sheer numbers and logistics just to get training and, and uh, those other events there. But uh, it's good to hear and it seems to be the, the common thread when we talk. You know, we've had Tani Milgate from Central and Ash Harvey from West on as well and they've certainly talked about that the same, just how welcoming the guys have made them feel, which is great. You know, we see the women's participation growing and 
Um, the other thing that, that's obviously coming in, in the, the ranks of women's participation growing is the NRLW side for the Knights. That, has there been a little bit of talk about that amongst some of the girls? Obviously, the local competition will probably have an eye cast over it by Blake Green and his staff uh, in terms of some opportunities maybe coming up. Yeah, yeah, a couple of girls. Um, we have a few talented girls in our side especially, so um, they're pretty excited for that to come through and hopefully sometime we might get a few names in there with some of the girls. Um, I know a lot of the girls are wanting to push for that especially, so having the grassroots um, available to us now as well is just making it even more special. Yeah, it certainly is, and it's it's come a long way. Certainly, even from the times when I when I played grade, and you know, um, and it, and without wanting to belittle, ladies' league tag was a novelty initially when it first came in, and now we've gone to the fact of you know girls who pretty much before had to give up football at under twelves, and then you could come back and maybe play ladies' league tag. Or that didn't even exist when I was in juniors. You've got you know under thirteens, under fifteens, under seventeens women's tackle, and we'll now have a pathway all the way through into this competition, and then into the NRLW, which is outstanding in, in only a matter of years. So it's great to see. Yeah, it is. And it's just like even the skill level has just grown um, so radically in the past few years as well. It certainly has. So glad to see you've you've settled in well at South. Let's have a little bit of a chat about the competition so far and we'll have a quick run through last weekend's results and get your thoughts on the other couple of games first. Uh, A bit of an upset win for West down there at Berkeleyvale, getting a 10-4 win. I think Berkeleyvale might have had a couple of girls filling in with the uh, Central Coast Roosters, but a great result for West. Yeah, yeah. They've, um, They've... Started a pretty good side um, at West. I know a few girls there. So um, I think they're one to watch out on, I think, personally. But, yeah. I I certainly think they're going to be, you know, alongside yourselves, maybe a dark horse to threaten those top couple of sides. Uh, The the other game that wasn't yours on the weekend, and and I caught the back end of this Central 30-6 to over Macquarie in some pretty ordinary conditions on Sunday in the wet. But that Central side just seems to be going from strength to strength uh, each week. Yeah, they just seem to gel so nice together everyone just even when you're playing against them they're not doing anything too flash but they just do their roles really well and execute everything um to plan so they're they're definitely a strong side so it'll it'll be very hard to pick out some weaknesses in that um side there yeah certainly is uh uh, speaking of sides that didn't show too many weaknesses on the weekend yourselves you headed down to Tookley there. It's not an easy road trip, but 32 to nil winners, including a double to Erin White. Yeah, yeah, stuck over a few times there, but no, it was good. The girls, um, we didn't actually have, we didn't have any subs actually that game, so we were pushing it a little bit there, but no, we did well and um, dug deep, so the girls did really well. Pretty good effort with all of us, but yeah, it was good. Yeah, it's not easy. It's, as I said, it is a tough road trip, let alone doing it with no, no bench and, uh, yeah, you certainly personally be pretty happy to get a double. Is that your first double since you've uh, taken up the women's tackle game? Uh, no, I actually got one in the first round against the Storks. Um, snuck over twice there as well. So been pretty lucky um, with the trial run. But yeah, hopefully it continues. Yeah, certainly. And, um, you know, in terms of that, uh, you, you might be able to uh, sneak your way up the point scorers board. You might have to uh, try and take Amy Waterhouse's gig as the goal kicker, although she's got a, a fairly red-hot boot. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if, if you've heard that we, we launched last week uh, with the women's tackle and, and with a couple of the other comps, but we've got some prizes going on League Castle thanks to our great sponsor at Smart Artist. And uh, the leading point scorer for the end of year for the A-grade women's tackle will receive $100 in cash as well as $100 for a charity of their choice. So might be a bit of pressure. Tani Milgate sits a little bit clear at the moment, but there might be a bit 
of pressure and uh, Amy might be having to uh, practice some sharp shooting or there might be a few of the girls trying to scream out for some extra tries when they're uh, supporting their teammates getting across the line. <laughs> yeah, don't doubt it with Amy with that uh, sharp boot of hers, but hopefully we can get across the line so she can be able to have an opportunity to kick a few more. Lovely. Well, let's have a quick chat. Uh, round 10, we're up to um, coming up this weekend and the, and the ladder, it, it's pretty congested. We, as we said, Central, they've skipped a couple of games clear now. You've then got uh, Berkeley Vale and West sitting equal in second place on 12 points. West with a game in hand against Tookley, which based on current form, you'd think they'd win, which would actually jump them up into second. Uh, then yourselves and Macquarie on eight competition points, and this is how close it is. Only four points difference in the points differential, so literally one try difference between yourself and Macquarie. And then Tookley down on two competition points. It's been a bit of a tough year for them after the regrade. So, uh, yeah, there's certainly added spice to this weekend's game, which we'll, we'll probably save to last year's game, and we might have a look at the other ones. The first of those is West hosting Tookley at Western Suburbs. This one is on Sunday at 11 o'clock. It'll be part of their big game day with their catch-up against uh, Lakes, I believe. But uh, would you think that uh, West will win this one? You'd have to say on, on form that they'd, they'd head in pretty warm favourites. Yeah, surely. I feel like West will put a couple of points on um, Tookley, unfortunately. But um, Tookley's got a lot of heart. But, yeah, I, I don't see them beating West anytime soon. Yeah, and I, and I will just correct what I've just said then. That, that, that's at Harker, so it won't be part of that game day because the West and Lakes grade games are at Carlisle. It's a standalone fixture, that one, sorry. So uh, we'll jump back to Saturday afternoon, and it's a 3 o'clock game on Saturday at St. John Oval. It is Central Newcastle versus Berkeley Vale. It's the current top of the table, and uh, undoubtedly Berkeley Vale will be wanting to bounce back, but I'm not, I'm not sure what the current origin situation will mean for them with, with some of their players possibly still on duty for the uh, Central Coast Roosters filling in for the Roosters girls who are up on the Sunshine Coast for State of Origin on Friday. Yeah, um, Berkeley Vale is a hard team, I think, you know, because you don't quite know what you're going to get in terms of a team from them. So, because um, all their players are out with uh, commitments to the Roosters. But, yeah, I just, Central just too strong, which I think they'll get it over them. Yeah, lovely. I think it'll be an absolute cracking clash and certainly well worth dragging yourself out for if you're not heading up to the men's rep game on Saturday. Uh, another cracking clash, which we'll get to in one moment, is uh, your game. But uh, before we get to that, I'm, I might just get your thoughts on, we just mentioned it, the state of, women's State of Origin match up at the Sunshine Coast on uh on Friday night, is, is that something that, that's much spoken about amongst the girls? Is there is there much of an interest in that? You know, do, do you guys obviously get as enthusiastic or as, as interested in, in the um, the players that are playing in that as, as the guys do in the men's game? Yeah, well, I feel like it's a bit, um, even a bit more special with the girls because um, a lot of the girls know yep. people playing in the origin, which, you know, over the years, the girls have played footy with them, played touch football with them. So we've almost like grown up playing with them. So to see them on that main stage is something special. And, you know, I know a few of the girls look at it as then they can achieve it. So, yeah, it's pretty special to be able to see all that and watch those girls achieve such a high stake, I guess. Yeah, certainly. And, and as you say, you know, without wanting to take away from it, it's probably less steps removed from your competition to that competition than it is for the, the boys at the local level. Yeah, definitely. So it's very achievable, um, very achievable for some of these girls because the pathway is just right there. So in comparison to the boys, you know, so it's really amazing to watch all those girls play at such a high level. Certainly is, and a couple of names to mention, obviously from the from the local space. Obviously, Isabel Kelly and Hannah Southwell, both with some strong ties to the local areas. They'd be 
two of the ones, Hannah Southwell especially, an absolute gun. She's represented uh, in, in top leagues in, in three different sports already and she's she's not that old at the moment, so she's got plenty of career in front of her. Yeah, she's definitely not one I'd like to run at. <laughs> no, so do you, do you, in terms of that, do you guys look at that that uh, next level as well? And, you know, when you're moving into the nine space, do you look at some of those players in terms of what you base your game on or is it more, you know, watching both the men and the women in terms of what you pick up? Do you pick up things from the local club as well, from the other, you know, halves and nines in, in the men's side and, and as well as your side? Yeah, um, it's pretty, like for me personally, um, I just take away what my strengths are and kind of look at, take the advice of the coaches and everything like that because it's a game that's completely new to myself. Um, we really rely on a lot of the experienced players in our team. Um, so like Sophie and Chantel Graham. So we really rely on them to really direct us around the park and kind of give us the feel of that game and really rely on all of our strengths. We're not a huge side, so we like to run the ball a lot. Um, so, yeah, we really kind of create our own game. Yeah, so, certainly appreciate that. But let's let's wrap it up, and I'll, I'll let you get back to your uh, to your Wednesday evening. We'll wrap it up with a little bit of a, a th- your thoughts on this game. You're taking on Macquarie on Saturday at 3 o'clock. As I said, it's uh, all the more crucial because the winner will... Uh, be in outright fourth place as well as, uh, depending on other results, possibly only um, two points behind third. So it is it is quite a crucial game as we sort of get to this midpoint of the season. Uh, how do you see this playing out? Um, you've obviously you know taken them on uh, earlier in the season and got the win there. A little bit tougher travelling out to Macquarie, but what's going to be the keys and uh, how do you see you guys? Obviously, you'll see yourselves winning it. How do you see yourselves doing it? Yeah, I feel like if we um, just stick to our game and we don't play Macquarie's game, they've got a quite a bigger forward pack than us. So um, if we just kind of let our legs do the running and go go them for the 60 minutes, I, I feel like we'll get a good win there. Yeah, lovely. It's a, sometimes the key, isn't it? It's just managing to put the, the effort in from, from you know the first whistle to the last. It sounds like a... An overused cliche, but uh, <laughs> in, in, in local rugby league, sometimes if you turn up for the full, full amount of the battle, that's half, half the uh, winning being done. But a big thank you for your time. Hopefully you can get uh, not only a win, but maybe another double, make it a third for the year. You said you got one against them early in the year, so uh, hopefully that's the case again for you and uh, sneak your way up that leading try-scorers board. Uh, but, yeah, a big thanks for jumping in late. And, um, yeah, make sure you uh, do get into Sofa about uh, throwing you under the bus there. But uh, appreciate your time and good luck on the weekend. <laughs> No, thank you very much. I appreciate it. A big thanks to all our guests so far this evening. Uh, It's been a great in-depth show pulling apart Newcastle and Hunter Community Rugby League. The Newcastle Rugby League, a.k.a. the Denton Cup, and also the the women's tackle also under the Newcastle Hunter Community Rugby League. So thanks to Matt Nickel from... Lakes United, uh, Logan Wiltshire from the East Maitland Griffins and Erin White from the South Newcastle Lioness women's tackle side. And also thanks to our returning co-host, Josh Spiegelman. He's back again. Uh, we're not here to talk NRL because there is none this weekend. I would have loved to have had a full round of international representative fixtures, but it's just a couple of lonely state of origin games this week, one on Friday night and one on Sunday, mate. We'll take it, mate. We will take it. It's, it's going to be a great match, I think, both the, the men's and the women's, and um, yeah, excited. Yeah, I touched on it really quickly before with Aaron White when we're talking about the Knights and RLW side, and also 
some of the local women who will be aspiring to some of the, some of the future career paths. But the women's state of origin is on Friday night up on the Sunshine Coast, and there's a, a couple of local girls involved in it. But uh, New South Wales will certainly have their work cut out for them in terms of heading up to Queensland and defeating a strong Maroon side in the women's game. Yeah, they will. I noted that um, Queenslanders will be happy to hear that they're favourites in something this week because they're, um, I think they're about, oh, forgive me if I'm wrong here, about dollar fifty favourites in the women's, I think, around that mark. That sounds about right. When I last looked, I'm just trying to bring it up. So, um, yeah, they certainly are. They're the, the defending champs. Yeah, dollar fifty-five with sports, but four and a half line. Uh, you know, if you add that line to the one that you've got in the uh, in the men's game, we've still got we're still ten points better overall as a state. So that's the way we like it. Yeah, mate, that, that's the way we like it. And, um, yeah, obviously I'll be tipping New South Wales in both. This is one of the games I tip with my heart. It's only a one-off or two-off, so up the blues for both. Yeah, definitely um, having a look. A bit, bit of limited markets if you're, if you're a better, but, um, yeah, there's certainly a few there in terms of it. You can get on a first try score. I don't mind a little bit of sneaky value on the first try score in the women's one, and uh, I'll throw it out there. She plays up the middle. She's tough. She's a local girl. She's represented the uh, the Jets. She's played Rugby Union for Australia. And now she's playing State of Origin for New South Wales again. And uh, so Hannah Southwell at some $34 is nice and juicy, mate. Yeah, you'd say that. You like some long odds, mate. I remember the DSAF bet last week was about the same value. Didn't didn't pay off, but this one, you know, could, hopefully. Mate, I, I like some very optimistic hope of return uh, while I make a charitable donation to a bookmaking organisation. I'm just keeping, you know, those those struggling bookies in jobs. <laughs> That's fair enough, mate. And um, yeah, another note on this match, the listeners will like to hear that the um, the match is going to be 35 minute halves again um, after the time increase was introduced last year. I just read so been a bit more action there with a few tweaked rules. The 40 30s in the women's game um, for Origin, so that'll be good as well to see. Yeah, just uh, leveling it out a little bit, so it'll be great to see. And hopefully, we see uh, plenty of attacking football uh, up there at Sunshine Coast Stadium. Uh, and I understand it's a sellout, so it'll be absolutely cracking. It'll be a uh, fairly vocal and ferocious uh, atmosphere that the Blues girls will face, but uh, I certainly certainly back them. And, uh, yeah, great shout-out to the local Newcastle girls who have made it and those girls with the ties and to, to the area. So good luck to the Blues girls. But we'll move on, mate, uh, and we'll have a bit more of an in-depth pull-apart of the men's game. And there's been some, uh, some interesting changes in the Maroons camp as well as the one force change for the Blues. Yeah, definitely, mate. I've got a lot of notes here on the Queensland side because, as you mentioned, there's some um, some big ins, some questionable ins. Um, we'll start with the guy who's wearing the number one. Um, obviously, you mentioned him off there, Reese Walsh. Only played seven first-grade games. I believe he's, he's going to be the youngest representative for Queensland. Did yeah, I read that? Uh, I think he's the youngest since Ben Iken, who, interestingly enough... Uh has been in the news as well this week, but we'll leave that one alone. Um, but, yeah, he will be the youngest player, I believe, to since Iken uh, in 1995. He was 18 years and 83 days. But, yeah, there's not much more on uh, Reese Walsh, that's for sure. Yeah, there's not, mate. So, obviously, he'll be the question mark at the back there. We saw last week in Newcastle, obviously, going to bring this game up. Got nice, got a win. Um, it won't be this bad condition for Origin, but he was, um, you know, pretty suspect under a couple of Clifford bombs. So, Looking for Cleary to um, to hammer him early with some high kicks. Uh, hopefully for us, he drops a couple because I think that'll um, set his confidence levels either high or low, depending on how the opening stanza goes. Um, so, yeah, uh, see how he performs. Yeah, certainly will. It'll be interesting to see. And uh, I think the stat you probably might have seen, mate, is that he was also one of the most inexperienced. Ben Iken again pips him. Reese Walsh was seven games. 
Uh, ben Eichen with four. Outside of that, you then look at Payne Haas with 10, Brad Fittler with 12, Trent Barrett with 12, Brett Dallas with 13, and Brent Tate with 14. So there's actually some origin cult heroes in that list. Yeah, you never know, mate. He could emerge to be one. But, I mean, in a full, healthy Queensland lineup, it might be tough for him to crack the one jersey, you know, with Ponga. Hopefully, that, well, not hopefully, but hopefully back to the Knights at least, but uh, in years to come. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Maybe he'll slot into a reserve, into a 14 jersey in time if he can play a bit of half as well. So um, yeah. I'm sure Queensland won't be disappointed with him. No, that, when fully fit, they'll be stacked if he, if he does go any good with him. Brimson, we saw what he could do last year in Ponga. Uh, there is a lot of ponger about Reese Walsh. That said, so um, you know sometimes the heir apparent, heir apparent becomes the master. But hopefully that's a battle for Queensland for their sake. I don't like to say it too loudly, but um, that uh, reigns reigns supreme for a number of years to come in terms of you know the uh, the battle for the fullback spot like we had through the nineties with that battle for the seven jersey. Yeah, mate. Let's um, yeah. Oh, I don't want to touch this because it's positive for Queensland. Feels like bad news. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on to other team news for Queensland here and. Obviously, a big out for them, Harry Grant. Uh, he's out with that hamstring. I think it's a strain. Um, he's been hampered with injuries recently anyway. So they brought in uh, Andrew McCulloch from the Dragons. Obviously, not as deadly an attack as, as Grant. Not as sharp around the rock as he once was, I don't think. But he also won't let anyone down defensively, which is, you know, obviously everyone let them down defensively last game, 50-6, to six, just bring that score on up one more time. Um other than that, yeah, I think um, the other big note is um, obviously Papali returns in the front row for Queensland. Uh, I don't think we can um, underestimate the importance of them losing Christian Welsh early last game. I think I mentioned Great. a couple of podcasts ago. Um, yeah, that, that forced them into that tricky forward rotation, you know, playing some of those inexperienced bench forwards for more minutes. Uh, but also, you know, listeners will know that Welsh, he adds a key offload to Queensland, and we all know what big Papa can do to an attack, so... The forward pack dominance we had in game one, I don't think will be as striking. I think Queensland will get on the front foot a little bit more. Second phase play, especially from Welch um, and Papali. So, yeah, look, look for Munster in the half to get on the back of that, have a bit of a better game too. So, that's the, that's the news I can go through for Queensland. Yeah, certainly plenty there. So, um, it's it's been, been an interesting time in camp. And I think, as you say, I think Christian Welsh, alongside the return of Josh Papali'i, uh, will be a um, a big boost to them if they can keep them both on the field for the full game. And, you know, you won't uh, see Cameron Munster that quiet uh, again. Hopefully he doesn't decide to uh, turn any more of our players into uh, into a bit of pigskin. Yeah, mate. I also saw something he said uh, last week or this week. He said that um, videotape review after game one was the saddest or angriest he'd ever felt in a review. He's never had a bad one like that. Obviously, as a Storm player, he's been pretty blessed in that account. So... He'll be fired up, ready to go. Hope he has another terrible video review after game two. But, um, yeah, I think um, he, he'll rebound in a big way. Um, he was pretty down in that game one monster. And, um, yeah, I think he's a player to watch off the back of those incoming forwards. And, obviously, Francis Molo on the bench as well for um, Queensland. You know, he's um, another powerhouse runner, kind of like a mini Tamalolo or, I guess, uh, Papali. Um, so, yeah, another one to watch. Bit of impact from the bench. I think he'll play small minutes, provided that, Someone doesn't go down early again. So, yeah, one to watch there. Yeah, he's an interesting one for mine. I thought they might have gone with Josh Kerr, but at the end of the day, that's why they get paid the big bucks and we don't. Uh, we might move on to the Blues side, mate. Uh, just the one force change, as we talked about. Uh, uh, big Gerbo. Jake Trebojevic is out. Uh, I think it was a hip pointer injury from memory. 
and he will be uh, replaced, it looks like now, by uh, Angus Crichton. He'll come onto the bench, and they'll escalate Junior Paulo into the starting lineup. Yeah, just the one change there. I don't know if he'll change too much in the Blues, you know, makeup. Obviously, Jay Turbo is a you know, clinical defender. He chops blokes in half for a living. He doesn't offer a, tremend- a tremendous amount in, in the middle. I think he's probably a, he's obviously a better ball player than Paulo. Um, yeah, I don't know what you have to add on that, mate. But obviously, in a team that just dominated in game one, taking one piece out um, might not make all the difference if it's just Jay Turbo. If it was his brother, it might be a different story. Yeah, it'd be a massively different story, I think, with Tommy. Jake was, uh, was solid in, in game one. Junior gave us a different element when he came off the bench. I think that's what we'll see again. I think you'll end up seeing, uh, you know, Crichton probably come on to give uh, uh, Paulo a spell and you'll see uh, possibly um, Cam Murray move into that middle role. The concern I obviously have is that Cam Murray did such a good job defensively on that edge. Um, But again, that's another change in itself. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, before we get into our tips on this game, mate, I will just mention it is, um, you know, it's not a origin lead-up without an origin, a Queensland origin injury concern, beat-up story. You know, lots of people think they're conspiracies, but um, there are some concerns around, uh, I believe it's Jai Arrow who's in hospital to treat an infection. Yeah, he's um, been listed as their starting second rower this time round. I didn't mention earlier that, um, you know, powerhouse David Fafita has been dropped to the bench in more of an impact role. Farrow's on the edge there, um, usually a, a mid-player, probably more effective in the middle, kind of like Cam Murray's more effective in the middle, usually, as you mentioned, too, with his great footwork around the ruck. But, um, yeah, who knows what Queensland are playing, mate. It was Gagai before game one. He was fine. I mean, I hope Harrow's fine, too, just from a human perspective, from an origin perspective. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just, just kidding, mate. But, um, yeah, we'll see what happens in that in that regard. Yeah, agreed. And, and I just want to touch on him again. Uh, we talked about uh, Francis Molo before, um, what he's gone through, and we won't delve too deeply into it in terms of his career in the Queensland Cup and the incident that happened in 2015. Um, to have come back and got himself not only to being an NRL player, but now to be picked for Queensland in state of origin, he's, he's a great turnaround. Uh, it was a very unfortunate incident, and if, if our listeners do want to delve into that a little bit more, just uh, jump on, on the old Google and it, it'll, it'll give you a bit more detail there, but He's turned around, and so I wish him the best in terms of his career, but not too much good luck in terms of state of origin. But, mate, let's 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 have a, a little bit of a run through what I'm gonna and I'm and I'm throwing you at this with absolutely no preparation. Uh, what what I, what I want from you is a winning margin, a winning team, a first try scorer, and an any time try scorer that's not your first try scorer. So. All right, all right. Let's, are you kicking this off, or shall no, I? No, mate. I'll, I'll I'll let you get it all underway to start with. So I'm going to pull up the uh, the wonderful right. men at sports bet and uh, see what we can pull up with. Although, actually, I, pro- I probably should, in honour of you, mate. I'll get the tab website up. <laughs> Sounds good, mate. Before I go into the tips, I'll just let the listeners know. Obviously, well, they do know how dominant Queensland are at Lang Park, Suncorp. Now, they've won 36 to 19 out of 56 games with one draw there. Obviously, clinching the series last year, and we haven't won there since 2017. So, at home, a few key ins for Queensland. Series on the line. You know how Queenslanders are, do or die for their state. New South Wales by 100. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm gonna, I reckon the uh, 1 to 12 for New South Wales is pretty good value at $3.75 at Sportsbet. I don't know what you feel about that. You can delve into that I was later. I say, mate, I've, I've got, we'll, we'll, we'll use the tab odds, seeing as uh, they, they keep you. Uh, Gainfully employed, mate. Uh, $3.40 uh, 
for New South Wales 1-12. to 12. So we better not compare too many sports bet odds, otherwise it might not look too good. Uh, just depends on where the fluctuations are, though. But uh, what about Maybe for first try? Maybe to me at work, mate. Yeah, correct. <laughs> if they're, they're shortening it in, they know you're, you're about it. Uh, what about our first try scorer to go with that, mate? Yeah, I'm going to go just based off his um, really good form on the edge. I'm going to go Latrell for first try. I think um, he'd be pretty good value. I haven't got the odds up like you have if you want to um, just tell me what the odd is for him to score first. Yeah, so $12 for Latrell. Yeah, well, I'll be taking that then. I'll um, yeah, dump a sneaky tenner on Latrell, get that 120 Um And you wanted a anytime? Yep. All right, you put me on the spot here. I'm going to have to go a Blues bloke. Um, might take um, might take Cam Murray at 450. That looks pretty good. Yeah, One of the edge rows. Pretty, pretty, pretty if he, juicy, if he works man. his way into the middle as well, he's got more. He's got another chance. So, you know, he can score on the edge. He can score in the middle. I think he'll get pretty good minutes, um, good footwork. Yeah, 450. Cam yeah, lovely. I am also going to go New South Wales 1 to 12 at the 340 there. Uh, the first try scorer I am going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Jerome Luai at $21. Oh, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be a, uh, I think it's going to be a fair way into the first half. I think we're going to have a real softening out period. I think we might go sort of 30 to 35 minutes without that first try. Um, That's a big call. As, as they tire, so I think it'll be sort of in the, yeah, the back half, certainly, of the first half. And the anytime try scorer, I am going to go uh, Valentine Holmes out on that wing. Uh, obviously, Queensland will need to score a few tries to keep it close in that 1-12 to 12 margin. Um, and, and the final tip of mine is the player of the match market. And again, it's going to be that man, Jerome Luai, at $15.00. Uh, I think he's going to go to another level uh, and get a try and a couple of try assists um, during the game. So have you got any thoughts gonna, on the, the man of the match market, yeah, mate? Yeah, I'll go with partner from Penrith. I think, you know, safe bet's probably Nathan Cleary. If we win this series, um, you know, Turbo was obviously man of the match, the best player on field in game one. Cleary wasn't, you know, didn't have a terrible game. I thought he was pretty good as well. So, um you know, if we win up at Suncorp, I think it'll be on the back of a great kicking game from Cleary, like I mentioned before, peppering Walsh with some bombs, his great long kicking game, probably a forty twenty in there somewhere. Haven't looked at what the conditions are predicted to be. Have you um have you seen the weather forecast at all? I'd imagine it'd be dry up there. I do have it here. I had it up before, so give me three seconds and I'll uh, drag yeah, it no out worries. for you. Uh, I'm just having a look at the markets too. Uh, I think, and he's a man you talked about before in terms of the man of the match, you want a little bit of value. Uh, Cameron Murray might not be too bad if it does turn into a bit of an arm wrestle and a grind and he moves into that middle as we talked about um, he could certainly be a, uh, a sneaky one around there I think especially with his he's got a little bit of ball playing ability and may slip into that Jake Trevojevic style role as well as we saw what he can do in defence so uh, Sunday 20 degrees and fine is their peak so Based on the current weather patterns, you'd say it'll be about 17 degrees and dry. Uh, some rain about on Saturday, but clearing Saturday afternoon. So it should be a dry track on Sunday evening for the game. Yeah, and total points are sitting around 46 and a half. So, um, yeah, well, you, you think it's going to be an arm wrestle in the first half. How do you view the second half breaking I'm, down? I'm, I'm going it's going to be 20 to 12 to 20 to 16. I also think it's going to be low, very much lower scoring. I was in the first game. I'm with you there. Obviously, the one to twelve margin of victory 
more or less gives that away. I don't think it's going to be a 40 to 30 scoreline. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I think the Blues will win. I'll lock in a 18 to 14 score. I'm going to go pretty close. Yeah, certainly. I, I, I like there's a little market on the tab. New South Wales minus nine and a half. Oh, sorry, minus five and a half and under 49 and a half. A little double there paying $1.60. So that's uh, a little bit there. Um, I don't mind that uh, grabbing back in a few points. So um, I certainly don't think. I think the 15 and a half to 17 and a half that's out there, depending on where, you, where you're looking at, is uh, a pretty juicy line if you're a Queensland fan. Definitely, or if you're a New South Wales fan like myself who's seen this happen time and time again in Queensland. Yeah, that's exactly right. Just a little bit of hedging your bets. And uh, look, worst case, if you know if you take the uh, plus 17.5 and a half and New South Wales win by 20 or more, well, look, you're going to be happy anyway, even if you lose your 20 bucks, <laughs> aren't you? Exactly. Mate. But as always, as a, a former bookmaking employee and certainly someone who's in the employee now, we, we will reiterate with Gamble responsibly because uh, that's the last thing we want to do. And uh, look, based on form lines, um, yeah, I wouldn't be following too many of our tips, that's for sure. No, not at all, mate. Um, harking back to the NRL tips that we can't go through this week, the Dragons again cost me a perfect round. They are my officially least favourite team now. <laughs> uh, the, the chokers have caused your choke, mate. That's a, that's a little bit of irony, unfortunately. And uh, the great thing is now you won't know whether to tip them and hope that they get you over the line and then be frustrated because they lost or not tip them. You know, like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. So, exactly. Uh, hopefully, it's not some Dragons players coming back to bite you on the backside. Should Queensland win in McCulloch and Hunt, mate? Yeah, hopefully not, mate. They are, yeah, they're not my favourites right now. No, exactly. Well, all right, mate. Well, thank you very much for jumping in again on the show. Looking forward to a uh, lighter work weekend, undoubtedly, for yourself and a weekend where you can enjoy a couple of Origin games with, uh, undoubtedly, a couple of beverages. So thanks again, mate, and uh, thank you for all your hard work on this Statsman's Statman of the Year and uh, everything else you do to help out the show. Enjoy your Origin weekend, and uh, we'll undoubtedly chat to you again next week. Sounds good, mate. I'll post the graphic tomorrow for all the listeners on our Facebook page, Lee Castle. Thanks for having me on again, mate. It's always great. Go the Blues. Always go the Knights, even though we're not playing. And I'll chat soon. Well, what a cracking episode it's been. Thanks to Josh again, our regular co-host, for all of his stats contribution, as well as helping me pull apart the men's and women's state of origin. And, of course, to our wonderful guest tonight, Matt Nickel, the interim coach of Lakes United for the remainder of 2021, Logan Wilcher from the East Maitland Griffins, and Erin White from uh, the South Newcastle Lionesses women's tackle side. It's been great to have them on the show. They've all added some really great content and great information about how their clubs and their grades are travelling in 2021. So thank you again for giving up some of your time uh, midweek to talk local footy. Really appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, big thanks, of course, to you guys for listening in. Uh, And of course, as I said in the introduction, the show just uh, doesn't get to where it is without the great support of our new partner, Smart Artist, uh, your event and sports photography um, specialist. Uh, have a chat to Johnny. There's not much that he can't do when it comes to promotions and sporting and uh, other events, uh, cultural or more broadly. He uh, works with some great organisations, including a number of our great clubs that are in our competitions here in Newcastle and the Hunter Valley. So check out his stuff at Smart Artist on Facebook. Of course, check out our social media channels as well, Lee Castle AUS on Facebook, Lee Castle AU on Instagram and Twitter. 
And, uh, yeah, as I said, thank you for tuning in. Make sure to come back next week. Enjoy what is another bumper weekend of footy. If you get a chance, go and check out the Rebels games on Saturday at Maitland Sports Ground or just head out and support your local team. We go to King. King will barge over. Will he get it down? Yes, he does. There's the premiership. Wilson runs to the line. He's got Buxton with him. It's been put on the toe. It's going to be to try. Joy Jobson's got the try. Window get their second. You're listening to Lead Newcastle, Newcastle Hunters, Hunters Rugby League.